But as we look at this one sentence today, as we get going, um, I want to tell you, when, when I was younger, one, one of the things that my twin brother and I loved to do together is, is we would collect uh, baseball cards. And we loved baseball cards. I've got a couple football cards with me this morning. They're not mine. They're my son's. And uh, they're not in a sleeve or a case or anything, so that must mean they're not worth much. Uh, whatever you think of Calvin Johnson, maybe worth something someday, maybe five cents. Uh, DeMarco Murray, uh, maybe a penny, right? Maybe. Uh, one year doesn't get you anymore, right, in the NFL. Um, some of y'all are with me on that. Some of y'all aren't. Okay, all right. Well, uh, my brother and I, growing up, so we would go to this, this baseball card shop uh, down in, in Farmer's Branch, kind of kind of almost North Dallas. It was called First Base Baseball Card Shop. All right, anybody remember that shop down there? Anyone, anyone? We got two, we got three. All right, that's, that's on the high end there of what I was thinking. I was thinking I was going to be by myself on this. All right, uh, but we would collect these baseball cards, and we had boxes, and we had filing system, and we'd file them, and, and if, if it was a card that, that was worth something, all right, we, we were getting to the dollars amount. So one, two, three, four, five dollars, you got like a sleeve, all right? You just got a sleeve. That's, that's where you went. But if you were getting a little higher, you, you got a hard case, right? And so we would hard case things like Reggie Jackson's rookie card, Joe Montana's uh, rookie card, uh, some Babe Roofs that, that weren't quite as expensive as some of the big ones, uh, Thurman Munson, guys like that. Um, Ken Griffey rookie card, that was kind of the prize deal in the Fleers baseball set that one year. Some of you guys following with me. And so we just kind of had things like that. And we, we loved that. And we would go back to them. And, and it was interesting. Through my college years, and even when Annette and I got married, I always knew where those cards were. I, I always knew where they were. And every now and then, I just make sure they're still there, all right? When we moved into our current house, I just made sure they were still in the attic, right? I mean, that's where they hung out at. They had their special little spot in the attic. And I don't forget, back in 2012, uh, God had led us to enter into the adoption process. We had prayed about it for, uh, at that point, over a year, and God had led us to do that, and many of you guys were a part of that, and we praise the Lord for that, uh, of how many of you guys helped us and supported us. Um, and I remember in 2012, we were having a garage sale, and I was so stoked about this garage sale. I'm like, we're going to declutter, but at the same time, make, make some money to help raise support for this adoption. Uh, that we had no clue it was going to be Eliana, but it was. And, and I remember that day we were doing the garage sale, and I went up into the attic, and I'd already cleared stuff out. And, and I saw over there in the corner, and it, it, it was like shiny. And it had like a, like a glow around it. And I was like, the baseball cards. And everything in me, I mean, it's like a holy moment. I, I, I'm serious. Everything in me was like, they're coming out. They're coming out. I remember getting them and, and coming down the stairs into the garage and, and putting them on a table, and I gave them their own table at the garage sale. That's how big of a deal they were. And my wife looking at me like, what in the world are you doing? And I said, they're going. They're going to be somebody else's treasure. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah. She's like, you're crazy. You've had those for, you know, 30 plus years or so. You're nuts. And I was, right? I was. 
But I remember that day just thinking in my mind, it was a subtle thought, and this is what the Lord does with me sometimes, just in my mind, when we think about repentance and stuff like that, it's the subtle change of the mind. It's not always these these big, momentous repentance moments, right? But repentance moments are those small, little, subtle changes. I remember the Lord just saying, listen, um, don't treasure these anymore because I've got greater treasures, right? Greater treasures than pictures of of men on cardboard, right? <laughs> and it was stats on the back. <laughs> I remember the guy that bought it that day, I'll never forget it, when he walked up, he's the only one interested that day. Um, and he walked up to the table and he said, how much are you asking for this? This card and this card and this card. I said, hey, listen, man, here's the deal. We're selling the whole table. He's like, really? He said, yeah, we're selling the whole table. And he's like, what do you want me to do? I said, I want you to make me an offer. So he made me an offer and I said, it's yours. It's yours. Now, I remember that day, letting that treasure go, but in my heart, so filled with joy because I knew there are greater treasures. There's greater treasures. Now, many of us have treasures, things we treasure, right? Eric Davenport this morning treasures seeing his boy take down his first deer this weekend, right? That's something you treasure. There's other you guys, you, you treasure moments. Maybe it's trips that you've taken with your spouse or experiences you've gotten. Maybe it's things like a baseball card. Maybe it's a person, right? Your spouse, your family. We treasure things. It's those things that, that we hold dear. Uh, things that um, an experience or a person that we give highest value to. And so this morning, I want you to remember, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 13, 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and he hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Why? Because he recognizes that the kingdom of God and its king, Jesus, is the greatest treasure of all. And God wants us to treasure Jesus. And that is God's true treasure this morning. Have you ever asked, well, what does God treasure? Well, God treasures, the Father does, his son. In fact, he says in John 17, 26, Jesus is praying, and he says this about his Father. He says, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And so Jesus is saying, Father, you, you love me. I'm your greatest treasure. I pray that they, the church, my disciples, would treasure me like you treasure me. And how does that happen? Well, the Holy Spirit does a work in our heart. John 15, 26, it tells us that the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus so that our hearts would begin to treasure not just worldly things, but to treasure Jesus above all. So this morning as we begin, I I want you, I pray for you this new year that you above all would treasure Christ in 2018. That when we look 51 weeks from here, that we would look back and say, you know what, it really was a year that I treasured Christ. Through all the ups and the downs of this year, that I treasured him. And so this morning to begin this year, I'd like for us to begin a study, a look at the gospel of Luke, um, and the reason I picked this book this morning is because what I see with Luke, the author behind this writing, is one who treasured Jesus. He treasured Christ, and we're going to see that this morning in one sentence, which I love, one sentence. 
And so what do we know about Luke? Before we look at these four verses this morning, we know little personal information about this gentleman. We know that he was a Gentile. Colossians 4, 11, and 14, we see Paul talking about those who are circumcised, they're Jews who were with him, and those who weren't. And Luke was obviously in the category of those who weren't. He, he's a Gentile. He, he is a Greek. Not only that, he was a physician. We learned that in Colossians 4, 14. He was also not an eyewitness of the life of Jesus Christ, which we'll see more about in just a little bit. His conversion of coming to Jesus is a straight mystery. We, we see nothing about it. Um, when we pick up and, and get something about his life, we see him as a mature follower of, of Christ when he's journeying with the Apostle Paul. And that's what Luke did, and that's what we see with him doing in Acts 16 and other places like Acts 20. 20. What, what we see is we see Luke with the Apostle Paul. He was loyal to him. He served with Paul on Paul's missionary journeys. And we, so we see him as a mature believer. In fact, he was with Paul up to his martyrdom. If you go to 2 Timothy in chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says, only Luke is with me. And we know sometime after that, Luke, or excuse me, Paul will be martyred. And then after that, Luke is really a mystery. But praise the Lord, we have two gifts of Luke. We have the gospel of Luke that we're going to look at this morning, and we have Acts, which we've looked at quite a bit before. And they are some of the finest historical writings in all of historical books that you will find that have ever been written. And he t went to great painstaking efforts to write these books. So as we begin today with this gift of the gospel of Luke, I want us to see how the author behind the writing, Luke himself, truly treasured Jesus and walk away with the same desire. And so to do this, look with me. We're going to just take the text, the four verses, spend some time in it, and then I've got five observations I just want us to simply walk away with and to have this heart that we would treasure Christ just as Luke does this morning. Look at chapter 1, verse 1 that Robert read. It says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word or servants of the gospel. It seemed fitting for me as well, Luke says, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. So Luke begins his writing with one sentence of introduction, mentioning that many have undertaken uh, this effort, this work, to compile an account of the things that have been done and accomplished among us. And so what are these many works that Luke is referring to? Well, some believe that it's definitely the Gospel of Mark that Luke is speaking of, that Luke used that in his research and his study uh, to write his own gospel. He used the gospel of Mark. Some believe even maybe parts of Matthew as well, and that there were other works that he may have studied and looked at also. As he mentions the word many. And so he would study and, and look at these references about the history and the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. But not only did Luke do that as well, what else did he do? He went and talked to eyewitnesses. He went and talked to ministers of the gospel. Those who had seen Jesus and seen things he, he had done, been in his baptism, and, and you name it. And so Luke did this 
thorough research, both of the previous accounts he had read and at the time that he got with the eyewitness sources. And he put all of this together. And inspired by the Holy Spirit, Luke wrote out this orderly account to tell the story of the life of Jesus Christ so that what he writes will do this, that it will literally assault the reader's heart and mind. You see, Luke does this work because he knows that the gospel of Jesus Christ can change lives. That's why he goes to such great painstaking efforts. So can you imagine this? Here's Luke. He's hanging out with the Apostle Paul on their missionary journeys, maybe even imprisoned when he is researching and writing out this beautiful gospel. That's what Luke was doing. And who was he writing to? It tells us he's writing to Theophilus. Not only just to this one guy, sure he had a greater audience in mind, but he addresses it to this gentleman. His name means the lover of God. We don't know how much about Theophilus either. We do know that some believe he uh, was either one that was maybe kicking the tires of Christianity. Some believe that he was a convert of the Apostle Paul, that Paul maybe had led him to Christ. Uh, some believe even Philippians 4.22, when it talks about the members of Caesar's household that came to know Jesus, that maybe Theophilus was part of what Paul was talking about. But he uses this phrase, most excellent Theophilus. And so who is this? This is a term that is used for governors or highest of dignitaries in the Roman government. And Theophilus was a high-ranking official, it seems, in the Roman government. And so he writes to Theophilus. Now, why? Why does he write to him? Now, look at verse 4, and he gives us the purpose, the reason. It says, so that you may know the exact truth about the things which you have been taught. Theophilus, it seems, had been taught according to the way of the apostles, possibly even under the apostle Paul himself. And so Luke writes and pins down this gospel that he would know what? For certain. That he would know for certain the truth about Jesus Christ in his heart. And there is nothing better than the story of Jesus to change people. I want you to hear this morning, it's not always what we will do with the gospel. That's important, we talk a lot about that. But it's what the gospel will do to us. And that's what it was for Luke. He knew the power of of story. He knew the power of the story of Jesus Christ. And it was his desire to see Theophilus so dramatically changed by this story of Christ and the gospel. And who all would read it and hear it. Their lives would be changed forever. And so what do we learn from Luke? What do we learn from this sentence? What do we learn from his efforts and about this man? behind this gospel. Today, I, I wanted to give you some introduction and just to begin, but I, but I wanted to give you a, a purpose to it because I think we observe some things about him. You see, I think Luke treasured Christ greatly. He treasured Jesus above all. And we see it here just through five things I just want to observe real quick that we can walk away with some nuggets that we can walk away with and say, okay, I want to treasure Jesus here in 2018. But what does that look like? I think real simply first is that we treasure Jesus through the word of God. We see with Luke, the word of God was a big deal. It was huge. 
A disciple of Jesus, just as Luke was, is truly a learner. And so Luke so wanted to learn, so wanted to know the certain exact truth about Jesus Christ. He wanted to know about the Old Testament prophecies that spoke about Christ. He wanted to know about his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. And so Luke treasured the word of God. And that's why he took so much investigative care with his research, his interviews of these eyewitnesses. And so may we as well treasure Jesus through the word of God. Listen to these passages. I'm going to give you a few. In Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 5, listen to what Solomon says. He says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver, search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And then in Psalms 19.10, that the word of God is more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. Psalm 119.72, the law of your mouth, God, is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. In Psalm 119.127, therefore I love your commandments, God, above gold, above fine gold. You see, the goal of treasuring Jesus this morning, the goal, excuse me, of treasuring the word of God this morning is that we would treasure Jesus. That's the goal. You see, in Matthew 10, 25, Jesus says, it is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and a slave like his master. And that's what the word of God does. It, it teaches us, it shows us what it is to be like Christ. And so as we treasure the word, it causes our heart to treasure Jesus all the more. Now, as we look at this morning, I know when you're hearing this and thinking about this this morning, you're like, yeah, I want to treasure the Word of God. But if you're like me, sometimes I hear something like that, and I'm thinking, man, I would love to read the Word of God more, right? I would. Yes, I want this, but I, the time, right? The time. And where does it go? Right? I mean, with, with work and with school and the kids got stuff and um, we got stuff at church and uh, we've got this to go to and this to go to. And, and so one of the things is I was just thinking as I was looking at this, uh, I thought about cleaning the house. I didn't do it, but I thought about it. <laughs> and here's what I thought about it is over the holiday, there was one day we were cleaning. Uh, it, during the holidays, doesn't it seem like you just you clean before you clean during, 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 and then after, after, and it just, I mean, it's just, but the holiday is just like this souped up, clean time, it all, there's some kind of pickup or cleanup going on, right? You think, oh, I've got the garage clean, and at the end of the holiday season, you're like, I don't have it clean anymore. I mean, it just kind of, it happened, at least at, at our house. Um, but one day we were cleaning, and, and I remember that the couch got a good cleaning, which with my crew, it could use that every day. And I, I remember when we were picking up the cushions, we found treasure. <laughs> I mean, we found treasure. Food, right? Probably the only food worthy of eating after that is probably like maybe M&M's, right? Maybe not. All right. <laughs> we found some, some coins, right? So not a lot of treasure, but, but treasure. 
it just got me thinking. When we think about the Word of God and we think about time, it, it got me thinking about those slots between the cushions. And those slots. And what do we find in those slots? We found treasure. And really, that's what we need. We, we just need to say, okay, what's that slot during my day that I'm going to make time to find treasure in the Word of God? So where's your slot? For some, it may be in the morning. For some, it may be in the afternoon. For some, it may be at night, maybe during lunch hour, whatever it is. But that you would have that slot each day where you go and you dig up treasure in the Word of God so that you would treasure Jesus. So find that slot. Luke loved the Word of God. Not only that, but Luke treasured Jesus with his time. So that's the second thing. Treasure Jesus with your time. To think about this, I, I want to read something to you. Um, Bill Lawrence wrote this, and I love this. It encourages me. It helps me to think about the time that, that I have and what I do with it. But I want you just to listen closely to the words. He says this. He says, more always means less. There's always more out there somewhere. There's more opportunity, more recognition, more power, more control, more success, more money, more everything. But more always means less. You see, to get more of whatever we seek, we always end up with less. That's what we do in life. We trade our time for whatever we gain. Now, everything in life is finite, but nothing is more finite or more final than time. There's more of everything else, but there's never more of time. We kid ourselves into thinking we have more time. We will say things like this, that I'll put more time into my work, to sales, to management, or maybe even golf. But we don't really have more time. We just manage ourselves differently in the time we have. We'll never have more time. In fact, we have no idea how much time we do have. We look at the game clock and think, well, I have years to go before the game ends. But only the timekeeper actually knows how much time we have. And guess what? He's not telling. So here's the deal. More means less. No matter how much more you get, in the end, you always have less time. Now, all of us need to go after more because that's the way life works. It's just that you need to make sure the more you're going after is worth the less time you'll have once you get it. So that more, what is it? What is the more that you're going to go after? At this point in your life, what makes the more you're seeking worth the less time you will have once you get it? In light of God's purposes for you, what are the wisest ways you can invest your time to give the most glory to him and treasure Jesus? So treasure Jesus with your time. Treasure Jesus more, I pray. And so what does your time look like? Think about it that way. There's always more. I pray that you find those slots. I, I pray that your life is about treasuring Christ with your time. Thirdly, treasuring Jesus through loving others. Luke showed great love. How do we see that? We see it in multiple ways. First, for Theophilus, going to the least that he did to write for him. <laughs> and investigating the life and the works of Christ, writing it with such care. 
We're also going to see through the gospel his love for the marginalized, uh, for the weak, for the sick, for the poor, for the broken, for the Gentiles who were outcast in Jewish society, for Christians that were oppressed and persecuted at the hands of Romans, for women, for children. Luke loved them all and fought for them, cared for them. Luke had such a big heart, and God wants us to have that same kind of love. That's who Christ came for. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19, listen to what Jesus quotes from the Old Testament about the Messiah who would come, declaring this is who he is, and this is why he came. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Oh, there's so much there, but I want you to hear Luke's heart. He loves the marginalized, who society kicked to the curb and pushed to the side. Luke, through this gospel, whether it's lepers, the sick, or the poor, brings them forefront and says, look who Jesus came for. Jesus came for sick, for sinners. He came for those who need a Savior. And Jesus, Jesus modeled that, and Luke modeled this great love, especially for Theophilus. Fourth, treasure Jesus through making disciples. Luke's desire was to make followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, Philip Hughes says about the verse where it tells us in Colossians 4.14 that Luke is a beloved physician. Philip Hughes says that Luke is a doctor of souls. That's who Luke was. He was a doctor of souls because his heart was about disciple making, to tell people about the story of Jesus, which we have here in the gospel. And to have them grow in the exact certain truth of the word of God. And that's our mission. That's what God has called us to do. He's told us to go, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, to go into all the world, to the nations, to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching all that Christ has commanded us. And Jesus promises to be with us when we live out that mission. And so who is that one? Who's, who's our Theophilus in our sphere of influence, in our world that God is calling us to tell the story of Jesus to? They're all over the place. They're all over the place. People who don't know Christ, don't know the exact story of who Jesus is. But we have that story just like Luke did. And God, like Luke did, wants us to tell somebody. He wants us to make disciples of other Theophiluses. So who's our Theophilus that God wants us to treasure Jesus through and make a disciple of? Fifth and final this morning is to treasure Jesus together. To treasure Jesus together. Treasure Jesus through the word of God, through our time. And to treasure Jesus through loving others, Fourth, through making disciples. And lastly, treasure Jesus together. See, Luke didn't do this on his own. One thing I love about Luke is he didn't want notoriety. 
When you read the gospel here at the beginning, he, he uses this pronoun us in verse 1. If you go to Acts 16, Acts 20, he uses the pronoun we to, to kind of include himself into these, these missionary journeys of Paul, but you never see him just coming out and, and, and talking about himself. He, he's a very humble man. And we see that in his writing. We, we see that in what we have recorded in Luke and with Acts. But what we see with his writing is Luke treasured community. He saw this idea of treasuring Jesus as something that we do together, that we do as a body, that we do as the church. That's God's heart for the church, that the sustaining of Christ, the maturing, excuse me, the treasuring of Christ would be sustained and matured, ignited and mobilized through churches. That's what, that was God's heart, and that was Luke's heart. In fact, as we close this morning, I, I want us to read this beautiful reading in Acts chapter 2. Luke records what had happened on the day of Pentecost, and after that, he gives us a picture of the church. And I just want you to hear this. Here is a body of people who had been changed by what? The story of Jesus Christ. They've been changed by the gospel. And they had been baptized, and look what happened. So then, those who had received his word, the gospel, were baptized. And that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and all things they had in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continually with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love that picture. Luke gives us a picture of what? The church. These many souls who had been changed by the story of Jesus, they treasured Christ. And they came together. They devoted themselves to the word of God. They were a people who treasured Jesus with their time. They, they treasured Jesus by loving others. They treasured Jesus by making disciples. As many as thousands of people and souls were coming to Jesus and they did this thing together. Church, I pray in this year of 2018 that we would treasure Jesus together. Maybe you're here and you've never taken that step into a, a life group. You've never taken that first step of, of joining and getting a community with people. It's a great time here at the beginning of the year to, to commit to that and to take that step and get involved in a life group and find a group of people who, who you can um, do life with, to, to fellowship and to get into the word of God, to pray together this new year. I also want to encourage you, ladies, as David mentioned, to come this week to the uh, Connecting Women Gathering as well, to connect with some ladies as we begin this, this new year. But to stay connected, to be together and this idea of treasuring Jesus. Jesus wants us to do that together. And so I am excited 
I'm excited what the Lord has done in 2017. And I look forward with great expectations of what the Lord has in store as we seek to treasure Him in this new year. Let's pray.